0: to the Teacher Talk podcast with Pathway CTM. I'm here with Tom Cully today. Hi, Tom. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. How are you finding the new environment we're in today?
1: Yeah, it's great. It's a it's, it, it, comfy sofa, um, decent company. What can I say?
0: Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, we're in this pretty cool setup. We're pretty pleased to be doing this and uh, I've got the best guest. I, I could decide on who I could bring in for our first proper podcast. And Tom Cully, uh, we go back quite a few years through Pathway Ctn, came through the programme. He's doing amazing stuff now at BT. So this is Teacher Talk. So we want to bring things back to teachers today. So the three topics we're going to be covering with Tom today is why do an apprenticeship? So, the government stats are saying at the minute that apprenticeships, in terms of those doing them, are on the way down. Not enough are doing apprenticeships. I want to hear from Tom today in terms of ideas that he's got potentially on how to promote them. And Tom's got loads of uh, knowledge and background in apprenticeships, which we'll come on to. Second is experiences of the workplace. Um, and actually, wh- what is work experience and what did Tom do and what can we be doing in schools differently, maybe? And thirdly, is career progression and pay. We'll be looking at some data regarding graduate salaries versus apprenticeship salaries and I'll be getting the gossip from Tom on what he thinks in terms of his career choice. So Tom just to kick off with a bit of an introduction properly so who are you and uh, and I guess why are you here today?
1: Yeah sure um, no problem and again like I say thank you so much for having me. Um, so I I was two, two, two and a half weeks ago from 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 now uh, I would have been saying I'm a networks degree apprentice at BT. Uh, I'm actually now a former networks degree apprentice at BT and and I'm now a network professional, uh, which means that um, I work in, in one part of the business in, in media and broadcast. Uh, but I've also moved around the business over the last four years of an apprenticeship there, and that apprenticeship's involved uh, amazing work experiences, which I'm sure we'll, we'll have a chat about, uh, but also my my degree being fully funded, uh, a Bachelor of Science in Digital and Technology Solutions, and, and I was really happy to, to receive some great news, as was uh, the overwhelming majority of my cohort that most of us actually graduated with first-class honours degrees in Digital and Technology wow. Solutions. So yeah, it's been a fantastic four years. Um, had my eyes open to apprenticeships through Pathway, and so back in 2016 when I just joined year 12 um, uh, Chris you you came into my school and um, admittedly I went away thinking degree apprenticeships a free degree and all this work experience it must be some kind of pyramid scheme it must mustn't be true but actually going away and then going wow Chris was absolutely right look at all these amazing programs with big businesses big brands uh, as well as pivotal small businesses as well I was Really loved taking that away and and applying for for eight in the end and, and, as I say, ending up at BT.
0: No, that's amazing, Tom. And and we'll come on to the Baker Clause and what teachers need to be doing maybe a bit differently in terms of those engagements with different types of services that aren't just universities. So yours was year 12 was your catalyst for change. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And before that point, um, for, for for some reason, I thought I was destined to study at the University of Glasgow and, and study a double honours in computer science and politics. Why Glasgow? Uh, you know what? It was the only uh, country, uh, only country, the only university in the country that offered um, a double honours in those two subjects, computer science and politics. And I was interested in both of them at the time, not not, not any longer um, when I saw the opportunity to do an apprenticeship. But um, yeah, it just happened to be that that was where it was the only people who were kind of offering that course and having visited it, I thought, yeah, this is a pretty cool place to be. Um, I'm not sure what my parents thought. Maybe they thought I was trying to get as far away as possible being from just outside London. Uh, but yeah, I I, equally, they, they love the idea of the apprenticeship. when I, when I put that on the table, so
0: that's amazing. So Tom, you went down the apprenticeship route. I went to uni myself many years ago. I went to Loughborough uni. That was right for me following my passions. Would you say that you followed your passions into the apprenticeship route?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, because it, it happened to be that when we spoke about apprenticeships and when you came into my school, Chris with, with pathway, um, for me, there were lots of kind of degree apprenticeships in the digital space. And I've always been really passionate about technology. And at the time, I was doing a part time job as a technician at a local theatre, doing lighting and sound and stuff like that. Um, So to then branch that into either kind of software or networking or cyber. um, And that's kind of where a lot of the programmes that I applied for kind of uh, revolved around either networks or software-based roles uh, obviously leading into a networks role now but I was always I've always been passionate about technology from a young age and I knew I wanted to go into technology I'm uh, really lucky that, that at the time there was a real real boom of degree apprenticeships in technology so yeah.
0: so I'm gonna get right on to it because you, you mentioned their passion for tech so many teachers I remember sort of telling us you can't do this if you don't do that and, and, and if you don't study or get the grades here, you can't do X Y Z. I think young people think that too much these days, whereas uh, uh, research from the Institute of Student Employers say 86% of employers don't actually care what you're studying. Mm. And what what about at, at BT? Do, do you have to study the STEM subjects?
1: Well, uh, to answer that question, do you have to study a s- STEM subject to go into technology uh, at BT on an apprenticeship? The answer is no. Um, and for me... What I go back into schools and tell now, having been through the process, is there's no yellow brick road, and I think for too long schools have been in a position that you say, you know, you've got to go to university. The the most successful people with the highest salaries and the most, uh, you know, successful careers go to university, and I don't think that's true. Equally, I did go to university, but in a in a different method.
0: And it, oh yeah, I want to pick a, pick pick you up on that. So mm. so you have done four years at BT. You've come away with a level six BSc. Just just for those out there that that might hate against apprenticeships or maybe not understand it, that is the equivalent of the, someone who went to uni. I got a BSc. I got a two one, but I paid well. I paid a fair bit of money for it. But you didn't do that. Just to really make it clear for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um exactly as you say, I have a first class honours degree in bachelor of science of digital and technology solutions so exactly the same as, as as an equivalent bachelor of science so computer science is a bachelor of science degree it's the same it's the same level um difference being i haven't paid a penny for it um i've had four years worth of work experience i've been able to put that learning at university into practice in a real workplace uh and i've been paid for the whole period so um yeah, for, for me, that was a no-brainer.
0: And Tom, you, you do a hell of a lot outside of your job as well. Just tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you were talking to me about, your chair roles and and, and going a little bit wider, just briefly.
1: Yeah, and I, I think this kind of leads into, uh, on an apprenticeship, you can really branch out to a wider range of opportunities. Um, but uh, outside of BT, I uh, co-vice chair is officially my role of the Apprenticeship Ambassador Network. So it's a, a network that um, interfaces directly with government uh, on inspiring the next generation of, of young people. So we have um, hundreds of, of apprentice members as well as some employer members as well who go into schools and colleges and work with employer-to-employer relations to to really promote those those opportunities. So and through that, there's there's multiple benefits as an apprentice. There's the opportunity to go back and share your story and have that impact on people, which. When you see people come in and follow you in years after your program, is the most amazing feeling. Uh, but also there's a great opportunity to network with other apprentices. And, and we've got a lot out of that. I mean, uh, with, with BT, the, the BT Tower Media and Broadcast Apprentices and some BBC apprentices have been doing some kind of exchanges recently. Uh, so we've been able to build that relationship. And, you know, that's been great for us to see how BBC is one of our key customers the work we do impacts them, the work apprentices are doing are impacting them, but equally how they're then using the services provided by apprentices and apprentices are using that service. Yeah. So that's been an amazing experience uh, and just one of, of the benefits of being part of that network. But there's a great community of apprentices for sure.
0: Because I, I love what, you, what you're what you doing there. You've gone out and, and above and beyond and met people and socialised, etc. Because people do say that you miss out on the social life potentially by going to uh, an apprenticeship. But mm. in your situation, is that is that quite the contrary?
1: Yeah, for me, I I, I haven't found that. Um, I mean, I've had two. I've been in kind of two teams over my time at BT, and the first one I was actually based in Hatfield in Hertfordshire, uh, and I drove to that. And uh, because of the kind of lack of public transport to and from my home in that office, um, we didn't kind of do much kind of uh, social stuff after work. But there was still loads of opportunities for apprentices to go and network and volunteer. So uh, go and volunteer at the National uh, Junior rowing championships which is one event that we we volunteered with we go to skills london and careers fairs and schools and share that journey Uh, and then in november last year i moved into the bt tower intermediate and broadcast There's a fantastic community of apprentices there a little bit more london centric um, but again we find the same in all of our other hubs in manchester birmingham bristol ipswich as well massive tech hub there um so there's a great community of apprentices but also there's kind of another step up there's those early careers communities so uh the the apprentices and the graduates and the uh industrial placement students and actually in 2020 um just before covid i went on a ski trip with uh, bt apprentices and graduates and there was about 60 of us in Val Thorens in france um and it was a great week um you know that was a kind of quite a discounted trip through the the scale of our group but a great opportunity and actually funnily enough Some of those people who I met on a social basis, um, I'm now working with um, actively on products and services in in our day jobs. So, yeah, there's a great community. And I think, to be honest with you, Chris, the the biggest difference is that um, as an apprentice, you're earning a wage and you're in a position to, to be able to go out for some drinks with some friends or go to this event or go on that ski trip, whatever it might be. Um, where some of my my friends at university, while they had an amazing experience, uh, were maybe a little bit more uh, financially limited to, to what they could do and that experience that they had over that time.
0: I reckon teachers might be listening to this thinking you're incredibly articulate, which I'm getting from you today. Like you're you're very practiced. You do a lot of these sort of events, and uh, I don't. Is this your first podcast?
1: Um, I've done a podcast before, go. but not this, not everywhere. this professional. I have to admit, I right. love it—the setup, the mics, the cameras. Thanks for that. So um, oh, I like that, it. That's, that's
0: but cute. but who shouldn't do an apprenticeship? Because. Okay, so I went to university because I didn't know what else was out there. I didn't do an internship scheme, which is annoying because um, 70% of graduates um, go into the top 100 graduate firms, um opportunities come through internship schemes. So if you're a young person out there who's going to uni and sleepwalking like I did, it's quite an expensive sleepwalk. But who shouldn't be going to apprenticeships? Because like, surely not everyone's as articulate and together as you. Like, I definitely wasn't.
1: I think I'll answer that in two parts. I think first and foremost, the apprenticeship develops you unbelievably. I wasn't this confident when I started in September of 2018 at the beginning of my program. So there's definitely a development journey there. But also on the kind of, is this for everyone piece? Um, No, of course not. No no one option, no one career is right for everybody. We all know that. Um, And actually, for me, the apprenticeship has been perfect in every way. For some of my friends who went to university, who, for example, studied a degree that now is not an area that they're actively working Mm in but actually nonetheless of that which a lot of people go oh you know you wouldn't want to go to university and and walk away with a degree that you're not going to use and in the most part I might agree with that but actually I've got friends who who did do that Uh, but actually the experience of going away to university that social reset that living away from home some of my friends went to university one person came back a new person who was more employable, more approachable, more personable, and has actually helped them in their career. So, we need to think a little bit broader about what are the benefits of, of taking those opportunities. Uh, nonetheless, of course, I could chat your ear a full day about apprenticeships and why <laughs> I think that was the best thing, but that's because that was the best thing for me. Uh, what's important is that we provide a, a wide range of opportunities so that young people or, or anyone at uh, any stage of their career can make the right decision for them and they in this scenario the only people who can make that decision
0: tom future politician i think coming i think we need you in, in politics actually um and i just want to talk about your secret source, so to speak because you were clever right so you went to i don't know if we can say this but we'll see but you went to bt but you kept something up your sleeve didn't you just in case and i think this is quite a, a clever idea and people should know about it
1: yes absolutely and uh yes it's, it's in the know i'm not going to get any uh any scary emails <laughs> um but no so i i actually Applied for five universities through UCAS, which is kind of like the standard application, um, as well as eight apprenticeships of different levels. So some equivalent to like A levels, some um, kind of level four, which is almost like a foundation degree kind of level, as a rough idea, all the way through to level six, which is full degree. Um, and I also applied, as I say, for university. Um, so. I ended up that by results day I had one apprenticeship offer and one university offer so I had the BT four-year-long digital technology solutions apprenticeship uh, and I had an opportunity to go and study computing at the University of Kent Um, and they were both kind of good uh, good opportunities Um, but for me I thought the apprenticeship was more more me and equally how would I have known that? I wouldn't have known that until I was on programme and actually was mm-hmm. living it. So what I decided to do was call the University of Kent and say, uh, I've, be, I've received an offer for September 2018. Is there any chance I could defer it to September 2019? Uh, which, again, it's not a guarantee that universities will let you do that, but I, I've heard that in the most part they, they may do. And in this case, they did. Um, so I kept that offer, University of, University of Kent, thinking I'm coming to them at September 2019 at this stage kicked off the apprenticeship with bt um and then essentially used that as a buffer so if i didn't enjoy the apprenticeship after six months i could drop out of bt um and and still have that offer sat there waiting for me without having to go through the ucas process again and reapply and, and go through all of that um and then fast forward got to i must think it must have been about june or july 2019 so only a few months away from that start of the apprenticeship with um start off the degree with University of Kent if to take it I basically called them and said look um, I've I've got another opportunity I'm okay and then they basically took me off the books so I kept that option there until almost a full year at BT Uh, and you can use that to your advantage but equally I think that's one way you can choose an apprenticeship if it's right for you and keep university on you know on the cards Mm. I think there's another way you can do it as well is that if you're kind of really fixed that you want to go to university and that's your first option Why not apply for an apprenticeship and go through the recruitment process? Because for a lot of these macro employers, um, people like BT, Accenture, EY, PwC, their application processes for apprenticeships are very similar, if not identical, to their graduate recruitment processes. So if you're thinking, I want to go to university for three years and then apply for one of these graduate programs, well, why not apply for the apprenticeship and get some practice under your belt? So that when it does come to that graduate application, you're a few steps ahead already,
0: yeah, yeah, I like it, and Tom will come on to. We must move on in a second, but you're right, we could talk about it all day, but um you know, what so I got asked by um, someone in government recently. What, what would you be doing to approach, um, um, promote apprenticeships? Because at the minute, um, so the top 100 employers, things are going up and there's more apprentices and more people are applying to them. Whereas across the, the market, there's a bit of a dip and maybe less people are going to apprenticeships um, than, than originally planned. So what would you be doing there? And I just want to give my two, two cents, um, just let you have a bit of a breather because uh, you know, I'm a trained teacher myself and I'd be doing exactly what you've just said there and get all my students to be applying for one apprenticeship to have a go at it in year 13, mm. as well as the, the the UCAS, like we normally all force them to do anyway. Um, because like you just say, the, the, the practice of understanding where you want to go, it could help you decide better where you wanted to go to university, but mm. surely that's what we should be doing as teachers and having a go and and also learning how to fail and fail gracefully and, and not getting uh, rejected um, and, and that ruining your life. Um, what would you do if you were head of sixth form, Tom? Like, what, Would you do anything different that, than what you had?
1: Um, well, first and foremost, being rejected is part of life. Mm. Um, seven apprenticeships rejected from every single one. I took a piece of feedback. for You got rejected so, so from seven. From seven. Well, th- some of them I, I kind of during the process, although I got rejected, kind of realized it wasn't the organization for me. So if I would have been offered it, I would have declined it anyway, okay. even if that was my only option. But I love but That's that part of the process, right, is that you you walk into an assessment center, you meet the colleagues, you get a feel for the workplace. You see the people moving around the office and you go, could I see myself here? Uh, And a lot of people also get rejected from apprenticeships, not because they weren't of a kind of good enough standard, but because their values just don't match up. And that's a good thing if you get rejected on that basis, because if you didn't know that and you continue uh, with that opportunity, um, you're not gonna last long if your values don't match up. But um, sorry, I I I digressed slightly there. Um, So what would I do if I was a head of sixth form? I think it's about stories. I think we need to encourage more apprentices like me or former apprentices like me to go back and share their story. And for the thousands and thousands of apprentices we've got in the country, what if they just went back to one school? You know, what what does that look like? That that for me is, is a big vision, but something I really believe in. Uh, the second thing is I think we need to, and this is, a, I'm almost not answering a question here, but we need to engage more with parents because... Having worked with you guys and gone to parents' events, you've seen the cues of questions we get afterwards. Mm. Um, And I think that there's a possibility, and I don't know this, but I think there's a possibility that some uh, students maybe hear from apprentices or hear about apprenticeships, uh, maybe go home and and the idea of the vision doesn't land so well because the parents haven't heard it from the horse's mouth, right? They haven't heard it from the apprentice, they haven't heard it from that advisor that's seen apprentices be really successful um so i think there's a piece there as well um i i would love and again i don't know what this looks like but there to be a metric like ofsted you know we use I, i'm a little bit old school because when i went through school it was all a star to c but that term you know x percentage got a star yep. to c we hear it all the time in schools in every single corner of the country why don't we have a metric about people who leave sixth form or 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 at 16 and hit apprenticeships or um internships or because because they are as i say there's no yellow brick road um what about entrepreneurs we don't talk about uh, enough about people Mm. who leave school and set up their own business Uh, is the
0: curriculum fit for purpose do you think tom from your point of view
1: big question i think the kpis and the metrics that we measure against we need to look at Mm. the curriculum itself i'm not sure
0: yeah well, it's interesting. We can go on and on about it. But it's interesting to hear that, you know, I think you share the same, uh, share the same mantra as me, just to have a go, apply for things and mm-hmm. get out there. Because at the minute, we're a bit too focused on grades and a bit too focused on just like getting through each exam, which is a shame because there's so much out there. If you'd just done that and you hadn't had the right teacher or you, they didn't let Pathway CTM in, mm-hmm. do you reckon you would have ended up at uni? Or?
1: Yes. Yeah. Short, short answer is yes. I, I I needed, as a lot of young people, I think, just need someone not to do the work for them, but just to open their eyes. For me, I was lucky that you guys did that. Um, I think if it wasn't for that presentation back in what I think was September of <laughs> 2016. Robert Barclay, was it? Robert Barclay yeah, Academy in I Odison. remember it. Um, back in the day when
0: I was out there doing it
1: all. And actually, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not using this opportunity to, to promote them, but actually what they did for me um, in respect to providing opportunities outside of the curriculum was make or break well, in respect to volunteering, in respect to uh, being on the student council, in respect to charity work. Um, that is what made me employable, yep. not quite the academic side of things.
0: Yeah, which which comes on to experiences of the workplace, right? So. Um Four or more encounters with an employer means that you learn 22% more than the mate that doesn't do that over your over your career. So that, you know, also there, there, there's more stats around you're not becoming um, so likely to become neat. Um, that's not the conversation we want to be having on this podcast because we don't want to be supporting people anywhere near that that category. But there's something called the Baker Clause, which teachers will know about. That's being slightly updated uh, from January. We're, we're yet to find out the exact details, but ultimately, Tom, it used to be you had to have two encounters uh, pre-16, two encounters, ideally post-16, around training providers, colleges, employers coming in and speaking to you about the more vocational side. Exactly what you're talking about there. It sounded like your school did well to bring in people like Pathway to come in and have those discussions. They're now bringing that a further step, and there has to be another two encounters in Key Stage 3, so bringing that in even earlier. Hmm. So I suppose you didn't look up, same as me, actually. I didn't start thinking about stuff till I was in Year 12. Same probably for you as well. What, what impact would that have on, on Tom Cully potentially having more encounters? I don't know, let's say having Pathway CTM coming in in year eight, for example. Do you think that would make a difference uh, to, to, to where you ended up or helped you in any way?
1: For me, I think it's about consistency. I mean, the short answer is yes, I think it would. Um, but actually, if we say something in year eight and actually it's really valid for year 12 or 13 and it never comes back up again. I mean, we, we that needs that needs to fit right, okay? Mm-hmm. I think framing and timing is so important. I, I almost find that the the best use of our time and our ambassador's time to talk to young people about apprenticeships is kind of 16 to 18. So year 11, 12 or 13. They're clued onto it a bit more by As long now. as we start early in year 11, so September, October, the beginning of that school year, th- they're really thinking about it where i think year seven eight nine and maybe year ten it's kind of oh we'll worry about that then so i think what the answer the short answer as i say is yes but actually it's the framing of that i think year seven eight and nine maybe year ten we've got to talk about soft skills we've got to talk about volunteering we have got to talk about how that develops you as a person and just on a really general level um, and then we've got to talk about implementation right a little bit later year 11 yeah. year 12 year 13 okay well. Know, you're confident speaking to these people, you've got these soft skills, you're resilient. And and actually a lot of the time, and I say this really often, is people are asked in application processes about being resilient, about being team leaders, and they're expected to give a scenario. Yeah, not, mm-hmm. you know, not just- Competency-based. I based, am, yeah. competi- competency-based questions where you have to say, tell them a time when you've yeah. been a, a leader. Um, and there are a lot of young people who are leaders, a lot of young people who are resilient, don't quite know how to answer those questions because they've never been asked. Even just stimulating conversation to get young people thinking about the time they've been resilient. And I do this a lot with, I mean, young lads who may be footballers, uh, again, don't want to stereotype at all. But if I kind of go... I get, you know, I'll ask who's resilient and everyone kind of just stares at me and I go, okay, who plays football? And a load of people put their hands up. I say, okay, when you get tackled, or if you fall over or whatever and you lose the ball, do you just go, oh, can't be bothered with this, I'm off? Or do you get back on, on, you know, your your opposition and try and get get control back and then try and score more goals? And obviously the answer is we carry on playing, we try and get that control back. That's resilience. But actually, I don't think young people often know that that is a, a reasonable example to give in respect to a time that that someone's been resilient
0: yeah and that that brings me on actually off topic but we work with capfinity who do the strength profiles hmm. and so for, for young people from disadvantaged backgrounds might be free school meals uh, we give them uh, by coming through our program free access to one of those strengths profiles and resilience was the top um strength hmm. that employers wanted over over the COVID period yep. and it went to number one and they just want young people who've got resilience who, who just want to get in and get get muddy and get dirty and get on with the job and, and have a go um, I think that's quite meaningful, really. I, I wish I'd started my schooling career with a strengths profile, telling me scientifically what I'm good at. So, yeah, teachers out there, I think it's so important that we try and put that sort of stuff into the curriculum. It's not just putting you in a box, because if we put Tom Cully in a box, you know, he might have ended up somewhere that would have been not your right destination because you, your school helped you see what else was out there, which is why it comes back to the Baker Clause being so good that we are trying to bring that lower down and it might impact people to make different decisions, because not everyone would have made the right decisions that, that maybe you made. And maybe we'd have gone for music instead of a science. Who who knows? Um, But I think what we will see is employers probably not being too interested in coming down to key stage three, potentially. But we need to make sure that young people know that ultimately from post-16, there's three routes now, really. There's A-levels, mm. which you and I took. I took B-tech, actually, B-tech and
1: A-levels. I actually did a mix. So yeah. I did two A-levels and a B-tech, which, yeah. uh, well, two A-levels and one B-tech equivalent. So. Yeah,
0: I did two, two B-techs, one A-level, yeah. double business studies in PE. I just picked the the ones that I was good at, right? What yeah, about I you?
1: Maths, geography, and a B-tech in music. Okay. Um, again, that was more about, like, balancing the stress of being in... Yeah. In, in in sixth form. So it was like, oh, I can do music. I can kind of chill out at this stage as well.
0: So you and I did A-levels and b Text. B-techs. B-techs now being replaced. It's coming in um, with T-levels. Tom, you know a little bit about T-levels, don't you? I want to ask you about that. So you've got A-levels, T-levels, or apprenticeships from 16. And, and I guess if we can get our young people understanding that, um, the earlier the better. Um, it's interesting because A-levels, my view on it is... A lot of um, people would be doing A-levels. You might want to be in the in in crowd. You might want to go down that route versus T-levels, 45 days work experience. It seems a little bit more on the apprenticeship side. Um, I I feel like that negative stigma sometimes that we get for apprenticeships versus the graduate route, I think will be implemented for A-levels versus the T-levels, but we need to get on board because employers and colleges and schools are going to be using them. Mm. What's your view on T-levels for the teachers out there who might be thinking, what on earth am I doing with this?
1: Uh, I, I think that there's a really exciting opportunity for T-Levels. Uh, I, I um, One of the, the, the kind of examples I gave earlier, we've already spoken about, is, is taking that university knowledge and putting it into practice. And for so many young people, just doing the work mm. from the study is a deal breaker from uh, an assessment point of view, from a performance point of view. So even if we're just providing them with, 20% of the time in a workplace to put things into practice, I think that makes a world of difference. And for me, if you look at that from like a BTEC where you would have spent 100% of your time on a kind of vocational course, to now having to spend 20% time, for example, implementing in a workplace, I think that's an upgrade. Don't get me wrong; it's technically difficult, and and we've got to make sure there are employers who really see the value in doing this. Mm. And I think the value is then that's future employment on apprenticeships. On entry-level roles in their organisations after the T levels, but I think providing an opportunity for young people to put these things into practice, these skills into practice, is really exciting.
0: Yeah, is it a route that you would consider? Do you, do you think if you had your time again?
1: Um, it's a uh, tough hypothetical. It's a really, it's a really tough because th- it, it wasn't there at the time. Um, I, I didn't consider college at the time, and that was probably because of the makeup that. that Almost all of my year group just stayed on at sixth form at the same school. But then
0: surely most went to uni as well.
1: Yes, they did. Um, But going to college wasn't going to cost me nine thousand pounds a year. Maybe that's 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 probably where I (laughs) would (laughs) have drew drew the line. uh, Was was that for me? It was like, do I really want this debt? and yeah
0: and how do you feel about that now versus your mates who have been to uni so your friends who went to uni where are they now are they are they out of uni what are they doing
1: so uh, it's a bit of a mix yep. really so so some of my friends are uh, out of uni uh, on graduate programs and stuff like that cool uh, some of my friends are still at uni provi- uh, kind of doing quite longer courses or took a gap year and then foundation year and stuff like that and just took a different path again like i say no yellow brick road um some of my friends went to university and now not using that degree subject area but have other jobs but still doing really well and have developed as a person over that period of time um and some of my friends were on apprenticeships so, yeah um political answer I, I,
0: I can see the career change coming in a few years Tom I like it um hey um but your journey because obviously I'm really passionate about it I remember supporting you through that um so let's just talk about what you did so you applied for eight apprenticeships right but but what was your um Meaning like, how did you find out about them? Like, what did you do and, and what can people learn from that story?
1: Um, so again, as I say, I kind of knew that it was a technical space that I wanted to go into. Um, I actually used the Pathway website at the time to see lots of different... And again, I kind of had my mind set on a big brand. Yeah. Kind of the the Microsofts, the Googles, the Amazons, the the BT, the Accenture, PwC, EY. So, so essentially what I did is I went through all of the companies on your website, There's a, there was a, I don't know if that, that page still exists. still there. Okay, it's great. Yeah. Um, another one I, I sometimes use is, uh, it used to be called Vacancy Snapshot, I think it's called Amazing Employers now. That's a government site. Uh, it has kind of a lot of uh, big businesses on. Um, there's loads
0: out there now aren't there? yeah there's no, quite yeah. a few
1: but again the, the similar names come up right for these yeah. macro businesses uh, or big brands um, essentially I just went through the list and I went okay uh, let's try and filter out the ones which are the ones that have technical roles and I just had a spreadsheet of all these different companies and all the different schemes and, some, and then I had a look and I went okay so there's this company has a networks one and a software one do I want to do one or the other do I just want to do networks so shall I cross that one off my list because they only offer software or something like that um, as I say I applied for eight. Um, so uh, so five were level six, so degree level. Um, two were level four, which was like the uh, kind of um, almost like the first university, like a foundation degree equivalent uh, apprenticeship. And one was level three. Uh, and And some people say to me, oh, Tom, well, why did you apply for a level three apprenticeship when you've just done level three qualifications, which were my A-levels? Um, Teachers say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the answer was, um, that application was with google and as a fairly like young person wanting to get into tech that was like oh what a cool opportunity to work with google so um so that's essentially why why i applied for that one and albeit it wasn't successful i got great insight into the organization and saw stuff like that and they say you know not everyone who applies for the business on their first attempt gets in sometimes it takes two or three attempts so maybe that's part of a journey i don't know um but yeah a lot of tech companies and then are basically just Applied for each of them uh, with a with a different CV and cover letter for each, which was kind of bespoke yep. to those organisations and their their values as well. So which is really important. Good,
0: good, good. And I remember you came out to the events physically. You got into London yes. and you met them, which is what it's all about, really. And we're bringing those back now. The physical events over COVID, we did them all online. Yep. Um, so career progression and pay is my third topic. So research from the Institute of Student Employers said recently that the top sort of 100 firms, like those big brands that you talked about there, uh, which I really encourage young people going to, because if you're not going to go to uni, you. Work for a big, sexy brand, it's you know it's, it's quite a clear message to say that you're employable, isn't it? Mm. Um, so £31,000 is the average starting salary for a graduate for these big, you know, sexy brands uh, versus about 20, just over 20K for apprentices, So about a 10, 11K difference there. So that's what you've got as a starting point. But then, of course, Tom, you know, we want to hear from you versus the debt um, differences, I suppose, in that and how you see your earning potential versus um, BT graduates in fact I'll just come to you there on that you versus a BT graduate do you get less opportunities are they um are they maybe getting a, a gravy train that, that you don't
1: uh, well, well in respect to opportunities and to get involved with the wider business I, I think they're they're similar and also it's one of those scenarios where it's the more you put in the more you get out and also seek to create opportunities is something that we we try and tell each other um within the business um in respect to to pay uh I, I think it's fair to say that a apprentice rolling off of their program um is going to be in a better financial position to somebody joining the graduate program Mm. now don't get me wrong it's slightly unusual example to give because one is at the end of their program one is at the beginning but the person finishing the apprenticeship has been paid for four years has highly likely been given a pay rise after every single year um has also you've also got to include the indicative cost of nine thousand pounds a year to go to university so you can almost argue that is an addition to your uh um kind of salary every year because that's what you're saving if you think of it like that um where again somebody on a graduate scheme not only have they got uh, a salary which is probably less than what an apprentice has earned over three years um so that then they're in line with each other in respect to timelines, but they've also got the debt to pay off as well
0: and Tom um, the majority I hear from apprentices uh, I really like the ones that obviously apply for uni apply for apprenticeships and they just keep their options open I think that's amazing and everyone should be doing it for practice like you mentioned mm. but then the model kind of is I'm um, at home still uh, doing my apprenticeship and the people I hear which I'm quite jealous of really because I didn't get on the housing ladder till I was over 30 um, is um, they're living at home saving uh, not much rent hopefully from mum or dad uh, or mum and dad and then they hopefully buy a house or a flat quite early what's your strategy Gee, is that the same?
1: Yes, just keep saving. Yeah. At the moment, I'm in a, I'm in a quite fortunate position to still be at home. Uh, again, uh, pay, paying some some rent to mum and dad, uh, keeping them happy. But yeah, uh, as I say, um, still still living at home. Um, I, I admittedly, I think my mum's quite liking having me at home. Um, so you'll but have to say goodbye eventually? I know, yeah. I know. But I'm thinking with with depending on what the housing market does. I mean, it's quite it's quite a difficult time to predict. But I, I'm thinking over the next eighteen months, you'll uh, be able to buy. I'll be able to buy. At what age? Uh, At that stage, I'll be 23.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I think that's a punchy message there. Um, Hey, Tom, I just want to ask you on um, research a few years ago from the Sutton Trust. Um, Just see what you think about this. So uh, average earnings over a lifetime for depending on what qualification you got and where you got it from. So an average of 1.8 million over a lifetime for an Oxbridge degree graduate, so mm-hmm. Oxbridge. As part of that, obviously, is Russell Group, but outside of the Oxbridge, uh, the two Cambridge and Oxfords is Russell Group only, and that's 1.6 million, so just slightly lower than that. Um, and then we've got higher apprenticeships at level five, 1.5 million. And the, the key thing here, Tom, is that they earn more um, than those who are going to non-Russell Group uh, universities who are about 1.35 million. So that's interesting, isn't it? So if you're not getting into a top Russell Group or or a Russell Group university, technically you might be better off uh, financially as well, you know?
1: Yes. Um,
0: By doing an apprenticeship, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I I, I see that. Um, And it's a difficult one because you could be studying at Cambridge or Oxford or a, a, a Russell Group university but if you haven't had that journey through through school um, or through university to develop those skills that make you employable in the application process then you might as well write off the degree as as useless right if uh, chris y- you you wouldn't employ someone at pathway who who couldn't communicate with the rest of the team um mm. uh, so so we need to think of those those skills as well um so, yeah, I th- I th- that doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, and it's, but it's, that's the thing. It's not just about... Uh, I framed that maybe in a bad way. It's not just about the money, though, is it? Of course, it's just interesting and good to see that apprenticeships oh. have that, you know, earning potential.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I was reading um, today about an apprentice who has gone on to be the chief operating officer of uh, the, the small to medium-sized business that they work for. And, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, I think they've been there about six years uh, from leaving school. Uh, what an amazing opportunity to, to have been on. Um, and, um, you know, that's within an SME, um, but within, in big businesses as well. I mean, uh, one of, one of my colleagues, I think he's been with us for maybe about 10 years now, uh, joined on the apprenticeship is now, or was our, our acting, uh, transformation director, uh, again, amazing opportunities. And to be able to have that kind of role in a business like BT, is is really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, and Tom, I just want to give you um, some maybe one-line answers on this in terms of uh, university versus an apprenticeship. Just in terms of your gut feel, what comes into you, don't like, you know, like really what comes to you, like we're down the pub speaking here, (laughs) in terms of do you think you're better off or is there something inside you think maybe they're better off or or this is what I think about it. So Mm -hmm. so you versus a a graduate at BT in terms of pay?
1: Oh, uh, apprenticeship, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and and
0: that's included the whole thing about living at Uh, home, the whole model. Everything, yeah, everything. Social life.
1: For me, apprenticeship, and uh, sorry, you said one line, and I'm going to break the rule, And because I was still able to go and see my friends at university and experience that university ex- university lifestyle. Fine. I still visited them. I could go there whenever weekend I liked. I even had the opportunity to actually, uh, when I went to see one of my, my closest friends in Portsmouth, Um, I actually drove down to Portsmouth on Friday morning, worked from an office we have in Portsmouth and then when it meant that I finished my day at 4.30 I just walked straight out and that was my weekend beginning rather than having to travel because businesses do accommodate this. Uh, hybrid working environment as well
0: amazing now look, lots of apprenticeships do use um top russell group universities for their training yep. um you used an apprenticeship provider which are hundreds of around there what about training so people are obsessed about getting the best lectures the best uh, advice the best training uh training your your end versus someone who might be at university getting getting uh, the best from cambridge or oxford
1: for me it has to be an apprenticeship <laughs> because actually the the specialists those lecturers um those universities look for people who've worked in industry for a number of years to, to find those lecturers you'll be working with them every single day on practical on a practical yep. basis on a day-to-day basis seeing it in real life environment not in a lecture theatre so if you have a question or query to ask you don't have to go and get an appointment with your course tutor you haven't got to go and find somebody's time or book that in a few weeks in advance you just turn around in your office and you tap someone on the shoulder and say can I just grab a couple of minutes of your time to ask a couple of questions?" Mm. it's it's a totally different environment um and also within you know i i i've actively spoken on my university research to our chief 5g architect to bt's bt technologies chief architect uh, to professor to professors at other universities um because i've met them through my professional network as i've met them through working at bt and actually i think i had access to uh, incredibly experienced people that maybe even students on program at some of these universities depending on how confident they maybe were to reach out to these people in in the kind of higher ranking positions in these academic institutions maybe would have had access to
0: yeah okay it's, it's really interesting Tom and um, we're gonna have to draw it to a close but um, thanks so much for your time mate I really do appreciate it Um, the, what I just got from that really just to summarise is like I, I like how you talk about you know for, for teachers to just have a go and apply to apprenticeships um, and put yourself out there and, and, and learn how to fail because life is about that isn't it and if you're that straight A student and you're not failing you're not doing enough because you need to get out of there and learn and, and just like you did and have these opportunities. And uh, um, you also mentioned there at BT, you talk about, you know, seek to create opportunities. And surely if you decide to go to uni like I did, I, I made the most of it. I studied in America. I got loads of opportunities through sport. I got the most out of it. But it just sounds to me like you can do exactly the same thing in the apprenticeship world as well. And, and you, you've done that, right? So you're not missing out at all. How, how you've pitched it today I'm sure that everybody will be uh, going back to their students and being like, look, guys, you need to do this as well. Have a look at it.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, like I say, it depends how you create those opportunities. Um, just looking at this, th- there will be a community of people. Mm. You might be di- not directly connected to the, that community, but build those connections with people. Uh, I mean, inevitably, when it comes to experiences and, and the apprentice lifestyle, um, people want to network. People want to be part of something bigger and, and people by people. Right, so for me, there are just so many opportunities that you can create. Working with the BBC, doing that kind of uh, cross apprentice community piece of work that we've done, we just said, Do you want to come over to BT Tower and see what we do? They said, Sure, do you want to come over to New Broadcasting House and see what we do? That's where it started. There wasn't any directors or HR people or apprenticeship people involved in starting that, the apprentices started it. So, if you think you've got a good idea. just just, you just got to put it out there and i think when you are in some of these larger businesses and you have that platform to do that or a lot in a lot of case funding as well if you if you speak to your apprenticeship team or your your manager um there are incredible experiences and opportunities there
0: no, definitely, Tom. And and uh, just finally, just for our uh, listeners, uh, we're not sure uh, who you're going to be. Hopefully some career staff and some head of six forms and some teachers out there will get some feedback from you, hopefully. But if you want us to go into more detail on explaining the levels for apprenticeships, we can do that. If you want us to look into more around the training side of things and what Tom did with his textbooks and where he turned up to university or where he went for that uh, with the trainers, we can go into that as well. Um, and indeed, Tom's now finished his apprenticeship scheme. He's got his degree. He's off into the, into the world. Um, but, you know, what happens after then? And, you know, Tom, you know, it doesn't just stop there for, him and we can elaborate on that um, even more um, in, in different episodes but Tom thanks so much for your time again I really appreciate it you know you came through the program many years ago it's great to speak to someone who I I don't remember the exact day when I came into that school but I remember your whole journey and your attitude towards it I've always said you'll be a future MD I still hang my hat on that but maybe in 10 years time there's a career in politics for you today I think you've done uh, really well on the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not sure but look, <laughs> I'm really grateful thank you for having me and I really hope that a lot of what we've been chatting about is going to be really helpful for, for schools and and, and teachers as well.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks, everyone.